It's no different from what you're trying to achieve with renewables. Plan, engage your suppliers, engage the people that are doing this, engage the experts, design it into your plan, and then get some great reduction. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. I'm John Fiella, and welcome to another episode of Smart Energy Voices. We hope you've been enjoying the podcast. And if you have, please leave us a five-star review on your preferred podcast player. Today, we're very fortunate to be able to share the closing keynote presentation from our Renewable Energy Forum. Ryan Spees, Vice President, Sustainability at Clayco, discusses the importance of building emissions reduction into your original construction plans so that your buildings address emissions reductions from the start as well as discussing the role that renewables should play in your overall decarbonization strategy. Ryan's deep experience is very valuable, and he shares a lot of great insights with us. So let's dive right into his presentation. A little different topic today. I've been in renewables for a while, and Clayco brought me over just last year. And, and for those of you that don't know Clayco, we're a, a large firm, been around for 50 years and building buildings for customers like you, for clients like you, for, for your clients. And you're occupying those buildings. And we're thinking about building all the time. And the founder and owner of Clayco brought me over and said, we need to strengthen our sustainability appeal. We have customers that are asking, you know, big Fortune 10 customers that say, you know, we want to achieve more. And Bob Clark, the founder of Clayco, said, Ryan, I want you to come over and help us. And so I looked at this incredible company, you know, did $5 billion of revenue last year and started thinking about all of the different pieces of Clayco. So we're not just a builder, we're not just a GC. We develop properties. We have our own architecture firm, which is really incredible designers. Clayco, the, the construction company, has been around for, for longest. But we also pour concrete, which I know is a, a concern for many of you and, and do some other things as well. And really, it's starting about pillars. And, you know, we have similar goals to many of you, right? We are committed to setting science-based targets. It's one of the first things I did when I came in. We want to walk the talk with our customers, one of the greenest contractors in the, in the country. Our architecture firm is committed to designing all of our buildings to be net zero by 2030. We've done a materials pledge. So very similar goals and aspirations as many of you. And why, right? I mean, the built environment, as I'm sure you're well aware accounts for a massive portion of the energy and emissions associated with all of the things that we do, right? The operations, which has been the primary focus of many folks for many years and, and, and folks in this room as well, 28% of emissions, global emissions. But that 11%, that building materials and construction, that's what I'm going to talk about at the end, but that's becoming more critical, and I, I want to describe why. And we build cool buildings, right? We've built... This is the Zurich headquarters. It was the largest lead platinum corn shell building in the country. You know, we do all sorts of cool things, right? Your, your headquarters at many of your buildings are, are awesome, right? They have lots of glass and they're super efficient. And, you know, you're thinking about how do I use energy smartly? And 
And those are all great things. And we want you to continue to do that and, and, and continue to support more aggressive design, more green roofs, all these sort of great design things. But what the message I want to tell you about today and what I want you to think about is really, okay, not the pretty headquarters, right? Like those are going to get all the press, but it's these that we're building an absolute ton of. The million square foot distribution centers for retail and e-tail that's just absolutely exploded, right? It was, it was going well before the, the pandemic and now it is absolutely out of control. And these guys use energy just as much as those headquarters. In fact, sometimes a lot more. And I want you to think about the opportunity here. You, the, the folks in this room, you can influence your procurement department, whether it's just having a conversation to think about these buildings. And, you know, we talked a little bit about earlier electrification, right? You have 2030 goals. You have 2040 goals. And I'm going to deliver you a building that's going to be there for 50 years, and you're asking me to put natural gas in it. Think about that, right? Just, just have the conversation. What can we do to step out in front of that and say, we, you know, let's electrify. Let's, we know that the... Renewables is a little bit easier today than renewable natural gas or offsets or all that complicated. Think about electrifying your assets, right? And we can do that in a lot of markets pretty, pretty easily, right? I mean, heat pumps are exploding. I'm sure you've seen a lot of news about that, but geothermal in a lot of markets really makes sense. Sure, it's going to be a higher upfront cost. Operational expenses go down and you can decarbonize. And then you can do things like throw solar panels on the roof. Million square foot roof. Is there a better roof? in the country than for solar than these, right? I mean, absolutely, even if you're not using it all, community solar in, in certain regions of the country can take advantage of your roof as well. And so, again, I would encourage you to engage your procurement team because I guarantee they're not thinking about this. The, the RFPs that we see don't, don't have any requirements around electrification or decarbonization. They're just like, get the walls up and let's go. We want to hear from you and the customers that we do have that are asking about this are really making a dent in the industry. So the second thing I want to talk about is embodied carbon. So pretty much up until this point, I've been talking about operational carbon, the thing we all think about, the air conditioning running, the lights are on, how do we offset that energy use? Don't lose your focus on that. It's critically important that we keep solving that and making our buildings more efficient. But the embodied carbon piece has really taken off in the last few years. And embodied carbon is all that stuff that went into the building that is now sitting here. It's all of the energy that it took to make the drywall or pour the concrete or make the concrete, get it to the site, get the glass to the site. It's all of the energy and the footprint associated with that. And for almost all of us, it's scope three. Now, John mentioned I was at St. Cobain where we made drywall, so scope one and two for them. But they know a customer is now starting to care. And why is it important? Well, of course, it all adds up. But when we think about climate change and how emissions affect the climate, everyone should know, right, that a pound in the atmosphere today is a lot worse than one five years from now, than 10 years from now, than 20 years from now. And so if we can influence sort of that set embodied carbon in the buildings that we're designing, we can actually have a bigger impact right off the bat, right? So if you look at the total here over time, of course, the operational carbon eventually eclipses the embodied carbon. By that point, hopefully we're not living on a toasty planet, but we certainly could be. So I want you to think about that. And there's a reason why this has also taken off a lot more, because now we have ways of measuring this. And manufacturers are measuring this all the time. So when you look at a door, right, there's a lot of pieces of making that door along the, on the way, and extraction is a piece, manufacturing is a piece, transportation, and disposal at the end of life. They all add up. 
And we use things called LCAs to determine this. I'm sure many of you are familiar with that term. And then the next piece of the LCA, instead of giving away your secret sauce, is this thing called an EPD, or Environmental Product Declaration. And the EPD is basically the cheat sheet for the carbon footprint of your product. And now there is all of this data out there. Manufacturers have been asked for this since about 2012. Lead put it in their new requirements, and so manufacturers started putting this data out there. And Lead, of course, was was very smart about it. They said, we just want to know. We're not going to penalize you or anything like that. But of course, the intention was always to start comparing you against your peers, against averages, and saying, now, this is the best carbon footprint product, and we can show you how to do it. And so it all adds up in your building. And the two biggest ones aren't on here, but I'm sure you can guess, and I think it was mentioned earlier, right? Concrete and steel, the big bad boys of, of building materials and how much energy they, they use, and of course, how much we use to build current buildings. All of those manufacturers are now being pushed, and they're looking for solutions and engaging many of us, right? At Sengo Main, we did a, a pretty awesome VPPA, and, and I know that they're continuing to do incredible work. In fact, yesterday, I do have to shout out my former company because they just announced a $90 million investment in uh, their drywall manufacturing plant in Montreal, where they're going to make that net zero. They're electrifying the entire drywall process, and they're going to be able to lower the embodied carbon of that product. So People are making investments and making changes, and I just I think that's awesome. So how do we look at this? Well, now our modelers and our architecture firm internally, right? we can take all of this data through this tool called the EC3 tool, where they aggregate all the EPDs out there, all the public ones. We're going to aggregate them. And we're going to build our model. We're going to bring it over from Revit, and we're going to put it in this, this system. And we're going to highlight, hey, where are hot zones? Where can we make changes today? Where can we think about smarter material choices? Some are going to cost more, but a lot, a lot can actually be done, actually cost neutrally. Just make a better decision. Just choose a different supplier. Yeah, you know, everybody's competing on cost. If you have two things that are pretty equal, let's choose the one with the lower carbon footprint and push the guys that have the higher one to do more. And so this is a pretty cool flowchart of just a standard building. The potential out there right now right, is pretty incredible. It's almost 50% reduction from like a base, your standard building with just the average drywall, the average steel, you can reduce it by just making smarter choices. And so that's what I want to encourage you to do is when you're thinking about those headquarter buildings, you're going to have all these awesome things in the, in the RFP. Think about it for the industrial buildings. Think about it for the buildings that we are really building a lot of, right? Most, most of us have maybe been through one new headquarters in our whole lives, but we're building millions and millions of square feet of sort of basic buildings. So think about the impacts you can make and how that might drive things. And so just a summary, right? John, I told you I'd be quick because I knew I was last and I know people are hungry and I cannot believe how many people are still in the room. So I appreciate you. <laughs> you know, really think about when you're doing all this stuff, it's no different from what you're trying to achieve with renewables. Plan, engage your suppliers, engage the people that are doing this, engage the experts, design it into your plan, and then get some great reductions. So that's it. That's all I have. I, I know it was going to be short, but Thank you so much for your time. Ryan, thanks so much for being a part of the Renewable Energy Forum and also for participating as one of our newer advisory board members. We appreciate you. I'd also like to thank you, our community of listeners, for tuning into the podcast and being a part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. If you've enjoyed the episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and tell your colleagues and peers about it.
To learn more about how you can become a part of the next Smart Energy Decisions event, just click on the link in the show notes for details. We're honored to have the opportunity to share conversations with leaders of the energy transition in this podcast, on our website, and at our events, all in the interest of helping you make smart energy decisions. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community.